Welcome to Puzzling It Out, Thoughts and Perspectives from a Clinical Psychologist. Hello, my name is Dr. Gail Lewis, your podcast host and clinical psychologist practicing on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Title of today's podcast is Does Time Heal All Wounds? Or Does Time Wound All Heals? And the reason why I wanted to this podcast today and and use that title is that I was doing last night what I suppose many of you were doing, which was watching Oprah's interview of Megan and Harry. While I had not intended to watch, um, mostly because I don't really think very highly of Oprah for a variety of reasons that perhaps I'll discuss in another podcast. Um, I was talking to somebody and this person told me that he was going to watch the interview um, and was, I think, eager to hear what was going to be said, but simultaneously indicating that he felt that Megan and Harry having decided to do the interview in and of itself was a disrespectful thing to the royal family. And I found that very intriguing, both simultaneously be curious and disdainful. Which I just, it was intriguing to me for a variety of reasons, but also at the same time um, had me recognizing once again that, that we are all capable of holding what feels like, uh, I guess, incongruous feelings at the same time. So I, I watched and was simultaneously following Twitter um, as I was watching, and, and there were two things that were most notable to me in, in the Twitter feed of the people that I follow. One was the comments about how extraordinary an interviewer Oprah Winfrey is, which she is, and she's certainly been doing this for a lot of time. Um, and secondly, how, um, how horribly they felt Megan was treated uh, specifically in regards to her having acknowledged that she was feeling actively suicidal and that she, despite feeling ashamed of feeling that way, she reached out to the royal family for help to find a way to, in fact, check herself into a hospital because she was not feeling safe in her own skin. She was not feeling safe with her own impulses. In fact, said that she did not feel safe being left alone because um, she was afraid that she would actually act on those suicidal thoughts. And that the reaction that she got from the people within the family and from... I think she said the human resources department of the royal family was that we can't help you, that there's nothing that we can do. Um, and, and just for a moment, I was reminded of uh, The West Wing, uh, one of my favorite shows of all time, which um, a, psychi a psychiatrist, actually, Adam Arkin, was brought in to treat the president, Jed Bartlett. Um, and I, I think it was after the shooting 
this was was suggested and it was done in secret and it was done at the White House in the private residence, which is just not what we do normally. But um, my, my point being is that, yes, this was a television show, but uh, that accommodations were made because uh, this person needed psychological help and they made sure to find a way to get it to him. So I guess what I was thinking last night as I was watching was, couldn't there be a way that they could pri very privately and secretly allow uh, someone to come in, if not have Megan go to a hospital, but have someone come in to a psychiatrist, a psychologist, to come in to, to give her the space to talk about the pain that she was feeling and give her a space to work through the suicidal feelings she was having uh, so that she would no longer feel threatened by them, the feelings and by the thoughts. But instead, she was told, there's nothing that we can do about it. And, and when Harry was asked about it, his input was more in line with that he was told, well, we all deal with these feelings, um, not necessarily suicidal feelings, but we all deal with feelings about being in this family and basically suck it up. We all do. We all suck it up. And I, I, I found that disturbing. The people that I follow on Twitter was also finding that disturbing, and um, it was also recognized as being um, heroic for Megan to acknowledge that she felt ashamed, feeling suicidal, that she felt ashamed of having to ask for help, which many people feel not an uncommon experience to have for people to feel ashamed of their feelings um, and it could be a whole array of feelings it doesn't have to just be about feeling suicidal but it it suggested to me I think Megan even said that she thought she was above that and I was trained to think in the theoretical framework of Karen Horney and it made me think of pride system and how come to have this idealized version of ourself that um, I suppose in this situation Megan's idealized version of herself was someone who not only would not have suicidal thoughts but someone who wouldn't have to ask for help that she could as an independent woman she could take care of her own feelings and her own needs by herself so it was huge for her, as it would be for anybody, to acknowledge to her husband, to acknowledge to the family, the human resource department of the family, that she was feeling suicidal and she felt that it would be safer for her to be checked into a hospital. Given the enormity of what that meant, to be told, no, we can't help you, if you were if you were a paid employee, we could help you. Uh, that That's what a lot of the Twitter feedback was about that I was following last night. And, and certainly I was feeling quite stressed in, in hearing her and being very aware of her affect. And while I know she's an actress, it was very obvious to me that she wasn't lying. Um, 
that she was suffering um, and admired her for being so open about this. And I think that um, it's very important for people who watch this, well, it might not seem like a big deal, but she is a well-known figure and it can be very, you know, good opportunity to model her behavior. When you see somebody who you admire, who's willing to acknowledge that they are in need of help and that they feel ashamed of it and that they find a way to ask for it, can encourage people who would otherwise not have considered doing so to perhaps take that very big step and ask for help. I think that's why we're seeing, uh, I think, advertisements for talk therapy. I think that's what it's called. It's a, it's a texting therapy site, which I really don't have any regard for whatsoever. I do not believe that therapy should do be done by texting. However, you have Michael Phelps, you have Demi Lovato, both people famous in their own right, acknowledging that their mental health needs um, were such that they sought out help and that help has been available to them and it can be available to anybody. And I think that that message, regardless of what it's advertising, uh, the specific service, um, I think that it's a very good message. And I think that Megan acknowledging how she was feeling and how she dealt with it can serve as a very important message for people out there who uh, feel that acknowledging that they need help is a very difficult and shameful thing to do. I, I was also aware to, about, and I think this is more about what my title refers to, is that when Harry came onto the set, were asked him I think it was after Harry acknowledged that his father stopped taking his phone calls and that he didn't really answer when she asked about his relationship with his brother. She confronted him and, and said, do you think that things will be better with you, your father and with your brother? And Harry's answer was what I consider to be trite, which is in my title, um, that time heals all wounds. And it's trite because I, I think, I think like any cliche, um, it becomes a cliche because we say it so often, but I'm not really sure that I think it loses its meaning over time. I'm not really sure who made that declaration initially that time heals all wounds and what that was based on, but I, I don't agree. Time is a construct, it is not... A magic wand. It is not enabling construct. It is. It is. Um, it. It's what we exist in. It's how we measure a day. It's how we measure a moment. It's how we measure life experiences. But in and of itself, it doesn't have power to heal things. People have power to heal things. People have power to keep wounds active. People have power to rectify 
bad situations. People have power to heal their own wounds, to help other people heal their wounds. Time in and of itself can't do that. And it's a lovely wish. And it's a wish that, you know, certainly in my life I've had. Um, it very recently has been said to me um, in my personal life and very quickly disagreed with it. Um, I think it's it's a fantasy. And if we step into that fantasy as being a thing that's going to take care of what ails us and what, what restricts us or impairs our relationships, the passive way of dealing, it's not an active way of dealing. Um, an active way of dealing would be to do something more difficult than the fantasy of allowing time to heal things or time to wound things. I think time has a greater chance of wounding things than healing things. And, and what I say by that is when things go unattended, um, wounds can grow deeper. Uh, wounds can uh, fester. And they can become much more, um, I guess, ingrained in a person's self and relational experience. I think that for things to heal, um, it, it requires action. It requires, in a relationship, both parties to come together to work through it. It was recently t said to me, uh, which was something that has been said to me many times before, but it it hit me in a different way this time. It was it was said to me that a relationship cannot be healed when both parties don't participate. And it is very true. Um, I say that to my patients. It just felt different this time when it was said to me. Um, and it made me much clearer on, on something that I think I've had a hard time myself accepting. So, but I guess what I'm trying to say is that uh, while Harry has this fantasy that time heals all wounds, his behavior would suggest that action is actually something that was more healing for him and his family with Megan. He made a decision that took him outside of a space that he was accustomed to being in, which is the royal space and the royal way of being, in order to feel like he could live a safe, protected, acknowledging way with his wife and with his family. And what he did by, by making that choice was he wounded the family system. And I see it as him stepping into his own genuine needs and wants and desires and doing so in a way that, that said, my needs are more important than the family's needs. Just something that a family system's way of looking at life is usually not very acceptable in the system. When the spoke in a wheel is out of alignment, 
the wheel doesn't adjust to bent spoke. The wheel starts wobbling. So in order for the wheel to move in a freer, uh, unwobbly way, either the spoke gets removed or the spoke gets straightened. And straightened means conforming again to the family system. Having it removed is what Harry did for himself and his family. When we're, when we're born, we're not necessarily born in a way with our character, our personality being aligned with that of our immediate caretakers. And we need to get our needs met. So I believe this, that unconsciously, um, when we're very little, we find ways to adapt to our environment so that we can get our needs met. We can get fed, we can feel secure, we can feel safe, we can feel loved, we can feel part of a family unit. And in doing this, the consequence is that our genuine selves or parts of our genuine selves are sacrificed because they need to be, because um, we, we need all of those things that I just said. And this works. Um, it, it works for, for all of us um, until it doesn't anymore. And when the time when it stops working is usually when we're older and those aspects of our genuine self that we've suppressed, for whatever reason, start coming more to the surface, more to our conscious awareness, and it becomes a conflict um, between those genuine aspects that we have pushed down for our needs to get met and the adaptive parts of ourselves. Um, they, they come in conflict with each other. And so our solutions for dealing with our immediate environment become strained and become challenging for us. This is often when people come to therapy. Um, so I think that what, in terms of what Harry did, is you know he had to conform to a situation that he was you know brought up in, and when he said he when Oprah asked him, "Did you feel trapped?" and he said, "Well, I think I was I was trapped without knowing that I was trapped." I, I think in some ways that's very that's a, that's a great way of saying that. Now, I had to conform, but I didn't know that I was conforming, which is what we all do. Um, we have to conform very early on so that we are taken care of until we realize that the conformity that we do is not, not helping us anymore. And um, as I said, the family system doesn't always belong with one person in the system making a change. Uh, it makes me think, and I hadn't thought about this before, I, I'm, a, I'm a child psychologist by training, and I, I don't really work with children very much anymore. Um, I love children. I really do enjoy working with kids. But I stopped because 99% of the time, when I was working with children, I had the most difficulty dealing with their parents. The reason being is that a child would be brought to therapy because he or she was acting out in some way, they were suffering in some way, they were not listening to their parents, they were having difficulty in school, 
and they were brought to me to try to help this kid deal with whatever it is he or she was dealing with and make them better. And when I work with kids, it's necessary for the parents to be an active part of the treatment, um, not just because the child is a minor and that's really what is required, but because the child is operating in a family system. And uh, the sticking point that I would often find myself in is that when I would be working with a child for a little bit and I recognized that the child was suffering because A, B, or C, what might be happening at home, I would talk to the parents and I would ask them to make some adjustments to help their kid um, with the struggles that they were brought in for. And I would say it in a very gentle way. I would be very aware of not parent blaming. Um, I would be very aware of uh, offering to help the parents make the adjustments that I'm suggesting. 99% of the time, at that point, the parents, out of feeling narcissistically injured by my suggestions that they have to make changes, they would yank the kid out of treatment. Um, and I, I would find that incredibly enraging. Time after time, that would happen. Um, and child is is expressing usually is the the child becomes the identified patient the family because he or she is the one that's expressing things that are conflictual for the family and is representative of systematically what's going on in the family and if parents are, are not allowing themselves to see that they're participating in what's happening with their kid and acknowledge that they need to make adjustments to help their child, and um, the child's going to have to do their own thing, which is what Harry did in this situation. He acted. He didn't allow time to heal things. Um, he didn't allow time to continue wounding things. He made a decision with his wife to take care of themselves, to heal themselves, to stop the wounds from festering that they were feeling. If anybody listening is suffering and feels ashamed of their suffering, feels ashamed of feeling suicidal, feels ashamed of feeling depressed or feeling anxious or feeling like they can't talk to anybody about these feelings, please know that there are so many resources available who are not going to shame you, who are going to welcome you, not humiliate you, acknowledge the bravery that you can have in being able to acknowledge that you need help. I find it so troubling, and I've always found it so troubling, that it has become such a, a maligned thing for people to feel that asking for help is such a, is such a, I guess, we know the right word to say, is, is such a maligned thing to do. Where, where did that come from? Um, where did that come from? That asking for help is something that we're not supposed to do.
Asking for help is something that is a sign of weakness. And in fact, it is a sign of strength. It is acknowledging that you can't do something on your own. There, there are so many things in this world that we can't do on our own. We need people for. We need others to help us and to support us and to guide us and to have our backs for. So if, if anybody you know or if it is yourself who feels like you, you need help, maybe you're not ready to ask for it. It's okay. And if there's nothing else that you get from this podcast, please know that I'm telling you. And there are so many other people out there that could be telling you this too, that asking for help is an okay thing to do. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions about anything that I brought up on this podcast or any of my other podcasts, there are um, places for comments on the podcast page of my website, which is drgaillewis.com. There's also ways to connect with me via email or via my office number, which are both on the website. If you'd like to have a further discussion, uh, there's also a a place on the website where you can schedule a phone consultation to discuss anything. But please know that I am available to talk about any of these things. But I thank you so much for listening. As always, hope that you're staying safe and healthy. And I look forward to my next opportunity to talk to you about something that I hope is compelling. All right, take care. Bye-bye.